This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Better Call Paul is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. Hey, everyone. This is Paul Sarker from Better Call Paul. Just wanted to remind you that the show is intended for entertainment purposes only and is not legal advice. I am not your lawyer unless we separately agree for me to represent you. And the views expressed by Mesh and me are solely our own. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Better Call Paul the show where we discuss the legal and business side behind the scenes of Hollywood sports and entertainment. I'm your co-host, Paul Sarker, former Marvel lawyer and current big law media attorney. Hey everyone, I'm your other co-host, Mesh Lakani. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, you know, I, I always look forward to this MLK weekend as, you know, you get out of the holidays, year-end holidays, New Year's, and then it's a little bit of a break, three-day weekend, and we get to sort of remember and celebrate you know, one of the great civil rights leaders, leaders period of, of you know, our country's history. So I'm good. How are you? Things have been good and trying to find some, still trying to find some time to watch Avatar and Babylon, but maybe this week is the week that I finally find this four hour block to watch this movies. I think uh, you've earned it. So definitely go out, check it out. I'm sure you'll love it. That or all the rage about Megan right now, which is the horror movie that, did like $30 million on their debut weekend, which looks absurd, but apparently people are loving it. Listen, horror, as we've discussed, horror is not my genre um, of choice, but... Neither is mine. It's a good return on investment, I think, if you're looking to make films, which we talked about. But yeah, so, you know, just real quick about MLK. So I've been to his museum in Atlanta. I don't know if you've checked it out, but it's really cool because they actually have the house he was born in, and there's like his tomb... This eternal flame, this museum, there's a church. And then you can actually take a tour of his house and in the museum. So one of his inspirations regarding sort of nonviolent resistance was Gandhi. Mm. And there's a room that's sort of dedicated to Gandhi and it shows all his worldly possessions. It was like a pair of sandals, maybe two pieces of cloth and like a walking stick and glasses. It was it was really remarkable to see if you have a chance to go there. If you're in the Atlanta area, I recommend it because it's a nice break from sort of like the consumer culture that, you know, we're in day to day. Yeah. I've never even been to Atlanta. So my cousin lives there. So if I did go there, I would love to visit that. I've seen the, um, the memorial in DC, which is really pretty. Atlanta's cool. You're missing out. I go probably once a year. Got a lot of clients and friends down there. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to visit. I mean, yeah. Entertainment town, good food, one of the most trafficked airports in the world, I think, is in Atlanta. Hartsfield-Jackson, I think it's top, top three, three in the in, world. That's yeah, insane it, to me. 
Yeah, it's a Delta hub. It's it's huge. It's like it's got its tram system and it's it's a great airport and you should go. We will do a trip down there. I was there, um, I think, May of last year. But I, like I said, I try to go at least once a year. And because I guess in the spirit of MLK, there were a couple of stories that were sort of headline grabbing this week in the entertainment business that we're going to sidestep this week, sort of like the you know, Prince Harry's book, Spare, coming out and the Dana White controversy over him hitting his wife on New Year's or maybe lack thereof controversy. Right. And Vince McMahon coming back um, to lead WWE after his admitted sexual misconduct. So, I mean, the whole thing is we're going to stay above the fray, keep it positive this week and talk about some really cool Events, in-person events, and California's expansion of its film tax credit. Well, yeah, well, let's talk about one of the, the big events, CES, one of the biggest technology events, if not the biggest technology event of the year, where everyone kind of showcases the future of their tech, whether it's from smartphones to cars to you name it. Uh, I've never been to a CES, Paul. I, I mean, have you been or do you know people who've gone? I have not been to CES either, but I did have this past year because it was the first week of January. I had some coworkers go and they had some clients that were debuting new tech. And honestly, it's a growing part of my practice, the sort of intersection of content and technology and, you know, one of the natural progressions as sort of what we've talked about, like the linear television business transitioning, perhaps declining, and the growth of things like blockchain, metaverse, NFTs, and these sort of alternate digital worlds. I think that's a big part of what I'm doing and what my clients are focused on. They view it as a growth area. A lot of that tech debuts at CES, and you can go and look at sort of like the newest or the upcoming AR, VR headsets, um, and you know, look at connected devices and foldable screens and all that cool stuff. So I'd love to go, honestly. I have no issue with it. I would also love to go. It'd be probably like a cool thing. Like there was a point in time where, you know, you'd walk into a Best Buy back in the day and like check out all the new gadgets or like a sharper image. But this would be like that on another level. I did check out some of the things that debuted and people are still debuting these massive TV screens now, like 97 inches. And I guess that makes sense for like people who want to, as streaming becomes more and more dominant, want more entertainment in the house. Like I think you think more about sound now. You want that. Oh, like if we're going to watch this, let's have it on a, on a, a high level where you don't have to like buy an entire movie theater in your house, but you just need a good screen and some, some some sound. I think the other thing is is the headset, the VR headset. Obviously, everyone's looking at Meta for this. And I think the one to really look out for, the one I've been hearing a lot of chatter about is Apple, Apple's Reality Pro headset that's supposed to come out in, I believe they're saying spring or summer, where they're going to debut it and, and talk about what Apple has been thinking about when it comes to AR, VR, uh, and I wonder how that fits with Apple TV and movies and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see the direction of that space for the next in the next year. So one thing that got me really excited when you mentioned that is so Apple TV Plus, they have this six part series about sort of dinosaurs and like the prehistoric Earth. Oh, no way. And it was so awesome. If I could watch that in, you know, sort of like virtual reality and be there yeah, and yeah, see yeah. like the Tyrannosaurus Rex and like all the other things. It's a documentary. So it's it's narrated by David Attenborough. It's It's made like a documentary, but clearly 
you know, no one was around filming the dinosaurs. So I don't <laughs> yeah. know. And it's all CGI, but yeah. it was really well done. You know, there's a couple million year gap in between and you could see the dinosaurs sort of like up close and personal. That would be really cool. And I think I've been reading about, so Apple, you know, obviously the iPhone, their computers, the iPad, the watch, they're all sort of dominant. I mean, nothing's as big as the iPhone, but analysts are projecting, well, how popular would their headset have to be in order to move the needle in terms of like Apple's revenue? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because, you know, as we talked about last week, Apple's market cap is down 30%. So it's, it went from a $3 trillion company to a $2 trillion company. And that's a result of the market conditions, not really anything Apple's done. I've also read that Sony's VR headset looked really good, the PSVR 2. And if you don't want to go full on headset, you can also get augmented reality glasses. And you know those look like the glasses that you would wear on a day-to-day basis. I'm curious about this. I mean, I was listening to, um, I don't know if it was Bob Iger. It, it was someone like him who was saying, or it might have been like a VC investor saying that AR is more exciting than VR. But I was listening to another Bob Iger interview recently where he was also talking about, you know, the future of content. He's obviously involved in that, how the future of content is looking. And I like that the way you described it. Like I'm wearing my Apple Reality Pro headsets. I'm watching a doc on dinosaurs or I'm watching a doc on like space or something. That could be pretty cool. I, I think it opens up a lot of doors, especially given the fact that James Cameron just proved that people want these crazy experiences, given how well Avatar 2 did and everyone calling it just this visual masterpiece. So we'll see. The lawyer in me thinks about risk and it's like, well, if everyone's wearing these glasses, like what happens if you're driving a car or something and, you know, you see a dinosaur climbing over you know, the 405, <laughs> like you might, that might not necessarily yeah. be good. But if I'm walking through Central Park and I'm wearing the glasses and it would be like you could interact with the regular world, but then it would just be enhanced in certain different ways, which could be really interesting as long as you're not operating uh, large machinery or um, a snowplow. It reminds me of when Pokemon Go came out and you just like be walking through New York and then you just see like loads of people running after nothing, but they're all trying to obviously capture some (laughs) some Pokemon. I was involved in that for like a small period of time. That took over like pop culture for a summer, right? And yeah, so it was insane. Just imagine, I think with the glasses, if they really were seamlessly integrated, it would be even bigger. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's a lot of cool things you could do. So that's exciting. I'm really awaiting for the Apple Reality Pro headset. Let's see if Apple can still innovate. And I think if anyone can showcase how this stuff could be used, nothing like an Apple event to show something like that. So, well, let's take a break, Paul, and let's get back and we'll talk about the Golden Globes and uh, upcoming Sundance. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. 
Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, Paul. So we just had the Golden Globes. Sundance is approaching. Uh, Well, let's talk about the Golden Globes. I mean, 2023, they're back in action. People in an event where the stars, Golden Globes, notorious for people having fun, a lot of drinking, more of like a party. But in the past, Golden Globes has been criticized for their lack of diversity, you know, unethical practices. So this was a little bit of like a comeback Golden Globes. And I just watched some of the highlights. It seemed to be entertaining. I think they did a pretty good job in like the winners. It wasn't like forced diversity. It was like everyone seemed to earn what they got. And it was like a nice balance. Agreed. No, Jess and I watched this year. It had been a while since we sat and watched a full award show and we were entertained. I, I liked it. It was good. I mean, obviously, first in-person Golden Globes in two years. And there was some recent controversy, obviously, over diversity. And it's a Hollywood Foreign Press Association. It's 105 members. So it's not as necessarily as big as the Academy Awards, which has, you know, 9,000 voters. But it does kind of signal that starts off the Oscar conversation. And there is some overlap between the Golden Globe winners and the Academy Award winners. So it kicks off award season. I thought it was very entertaining. Chloe Flower was the pianist that played the music in and out of commercial breaks and when people's speeches were going too long. And it was kind of like funny to see because people were in the middle of thanking their coworkers, their cast, their agents, their managers, sometimes their lawyers. I saw a few get shout outs. Uh, and then the music starts playing and they're like halfway done. And the, <laughs> you're like, hey, like uh, this is a huge achievement for me. Let me keep going. Michelle Yeoh did a good job with that because she was giving this great speech for when she won for best actress in a comedy slash musical for everything, everywhere, all at once. And she's giving this great speech. She's talking about like coming to this country and you know lack of diversity in film thanking everyone and then this mu- 40 years yeah it's insane and, and the music goes off and then she <laughs> she does like a, a a funny like threat to the pianist um saying that she could beat her up i could beat you up yeah which is pretty funny yeah. and but yeah i mean i just think generally you know the speeches were fun obviously michelle yo you know colin farrell's always a, a class act uh, obviously jennifer coolidge from White Lotus gave gave a great one and that was really funny. And she presented and she her pre- yeah. <laughs> her presentation was also very like understated dry humor. So I liked it. Listen, Ryan Murphy won the Carol Burnett sort of lifetime achievement award in television. He had a great speech and he's really you think of how many shows he's made that people yeah. just love. And and I love too starting with you know, I really like Nip Tuck and Glee. I liked the first two seasons of Nip Tuck. It got really weird after a while. Yeah, well, you know, like the he the <laughs> showrunner is only doing like the the pilot the, the first, first season yeah. and maybe yeah. the second season. And then after that, it's kind of up to the writer's room to catch yeah. cuz you know, it's like I'm going to give birth to this idea and then it's on you guys and girls to sort of like make it what it is. Yeah. But it was a very interesting take on like plastic surgery. And nine, I mean, there's literally so many shows, American Horror Story 911, Dahmer, Pose, you know, so right. he's had such an illustrious career. And Kihei Kwan yeah, won that was cool. for Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is another crazy story because he actually started out in 
Indiana Jones Temple of the Doom, he was a little boy. Yeah, I didn't know that until he said it in his speech. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, he's like, oh, Spielberg's in the audience. Yeah. I got to shout, you know, got to thank was cool. him. He won that was cool. Best Director. And, you know, things come full circle. He had potentially, you know, two careers in one, right? Like, because he was a child he's actor a child and actor. he kind of like yeah. fell out of love with the business. Yeah. And then he comes back and he was great in everything. He was awesome. Once. So I, I, um, I would say that like, you know, if I had any, as a fan, any criticism on who got what, I would say that um, best picture drama was to the Fablemans, which is Spielberg's, you know, it's a semi-biography of his life. I just watched it the other night. It's an excellent movie. Fantastic. I think Top Gun also could have won that because it's just such a great, perfect movie. And I would say that I was surprised that Everything Everywhere All at Once didn't win for best comedy or musical. The Banshees of Ina Sheeran won Colin Farrell's movie, which I haven't seen yet. But we'll see. You never know what might happen in the Oscars. You never know. I mean, so I have some snubs as well, um, <laughs> but really just one. And I can't even call it a snub because uh, I haven't seen Pinocchio but I thought Marcel the Shell should have won Best Animated. Oh, oh, film. I think we probably have another snub. Triple R should have won for Best Foreign Movie. Well, right. Not to, not to did get it, Best, it, song, Best Song, which I thought yeah. was, and that was India's first Golden Globe as a country, which I think is still a momentous occasion. For sure. I bet Triple R wins the Oscar, is my bet. The MCU got its first of the major award show, Angela Bassett winning for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. House of Dragon got best drama TV yep. series. It's hard to argue with that. Yep. And then, you know, it's sort of like a touching moment. Austin Butler won best actor for Elvis and he thanked Lisa Marie Presley yeah. and, yeah. you know, the rest of Elvis's sort of living family because they opened their doors. They let him in to sort of embody the role. And if you saw, I don't know if I guess I, don't I haven't know if it seen showed it. up in a highlight, but watching the show. Um, she, Lisa Marie Presley looked like she was kind of struggling to keep her head up. So it's, it's sad that she passed away, but kind of like a celebration that she was there. Austin Butler won, uh, Elvis lives on forever. Uh, and then Abbott Elementary won three awards, best, best comedy series. Quinta Brunson won best actress in a comedy series. And then Tyler James Williams won best supporting actor. And that's one of Jess and my favorite shows, so can't argue with that. I've never seen it, so I, I can't speak to it. You know, I, I know The Bear was all the rage last year, and they did get it for Best Actor. But I, I think maybe I need to give Abbott Elementary a shot so I can understand, like, what Oh, for sure. It's about. really good. Okay. Is it like an Office-type show, like a Parks and Rec style? Like that, but candidly, I, I, I'd i say it's a little bit funnier in my, okay. in my view. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, so I would say, look, it, it, we'll see what happens at the Oscar. I would say the other thing is that maybe Brendan Fraser can win the Oscar for Best Actor. He didn't get it for the Golden Globes. You know, we'll see. Everyone loves a comeback story. But, you know, that said, the up-and-coming movies for the next year, we've got Sundance coming up. And obviously, Sundance is one of the most popular film festivals in the world. It takes place in Park City. I've never been, but obviously, big respect. I mean, Paul, some of the biggest movies in the world has come out of Sundance. For sure. So like, uh, you know, Jess is in film and TV and I am also, but I'm, I don't go to festivals that much. Although last year, Jess and I went to three. We went to TIFF, New York Film Festival. And then we, you know, Tribeca is like in our backyard. So we went to that just briefly. And Sundance is kind of on our bucket list. I mean, it is the biggest 
film festival and others, I think it's like 40,000 people go, maybe in the mid 40s. And it's the first major one of the season. And this is their first in-person Sundance in three years. So there's been a lot of interest and buzz. In fact, I think the ticket site crashed on Friday. There's a lot of like brands and agencies that hold like events and parties, like the UTA party is a huge event if you can get an invite to that every year. And so basically how it started was like independent filmmakers, people trying to get their first break would go and it would also attract interest and bring sort of filmmakers attention and put Utah on the map. And so it's become more commercial over the years, but a lot of people got their start or got their big break at Sundance, like Kevin Smith and Clerks, Quentin Tarantino, in Reservoir Dogs, although you could say that when he wrote True Romance, that was really his first break. Um, I guess it's debatable. The Blair Witch Project, I mean, that came out of Sundance. In terms of like just movies that did really, really well, that were these like independent movies that just blew up. Right. Coda, you know, won Best Picture and that premiered at Sundance. Yeah, yeah. Darren Aronofsky, Steven Soderbergh, Paul Thomas Anderson, all these directors. Jordan Peele, too, with Get Out debuted at Sundance. There's some talk about a few movies coming out of Sundance this year. One of them is actually Amelia Jones, who is in CODA, together with Nicholas Braun from Succession. They're in a movie called Cat Person. That is one of the more popular names in Sundance this year. So we'll see. I'm, I'm a big Nicholas Braun fan. I would love to see him do more stuff outside Same. of Succession. Would be interested in seeing how that plays out. Yeah, so there's like 100, I think, films premiering. Uh, As you said, Anne Hathaway is in a film called Eileen, which is coming out kind of up my alley because I think it's like a psychological crime thriller. Oh, I like those. Uh, Or at least like there's a a prison aspect to it. And then Chiwetel Ejiofor and Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones are in a movie called Pod Generation. So there's a couple things that I think could, and and that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be a lot of, uh, one of my friends has a movie that's premiering at Sundance. Oh, cool. I'm wishing her luck as well. Awesome. Best of luck to her. I hope she has a great Sundance. Well, cool, man. So let, we'll, we'll, let's keep an eye on these movies because obviously we want to. I'll want to watch them for sure, but I'm just I'm definitely going to see what the hype comes out of Sundance and, and try to check that out on streaming. But let's take a break, Paul. Let's get back and we're going to talk about tax credits, California. What are they going to do and how are they going to incentivize more people to make movies in the lovely state? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, Mesh, so this tax credit thing is very interesting. And it's actually, for those that don't know, it is a big part of the decision that a studio would make in terms of where to film, produce, and edit a project. So the California Film Commission oversees the California tax credit. The California's had a tax credit. It's had several over the years, but the current one, in effect, has been around since 2020. So this is the third year of it. It was set to expire in 2025. And it's a $330 million allocation per year to incentivize, as you said before the break, film and TV production in the state. 
And so a couple things about the tax credit now is the tax credits are not refundable and they're not transferable. And we'll get into that later. Yeah. But the the background is so like states and countries and even local governments can use tax incentives as a way to encourage the type of activity or behavior that they want to see more of. So for example, you'll hear about tax credits for people that put solar panels on their roofs or buy electric cars, or we want to encourage people to buy homes. So we'll give them a mortgage interest deduction. So deductions and tax credits are things governments can use to encourage people's behavior. Similarly, taxing things can discourage use, like the tax on cigarettes will discourage people from, in theory, smoking cigarettes. So this is just another one of the things that states can do to lower business, which in theory will create jobs and generate economic activity. So, you know, when they're looking at it, they'll they'll give up a little bit of tax revenue in order to increase their overall GDP of the state. Right. And states are competing on this. So Georgia's had one for years and years, yep. and that's been a big part of why so much film and television is made yep. in and around Atlanta and the rest of the state. New York has one. Lots of states have New Mexico, and that's sort of what led to Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Sort of the growth of the television industry in New Mexico. And so California has historically had this built-in advantage, right? It's got the gorgeous year-round weather, except for the recent sort of flooding. Where a lot of the studios are based there. A lot of the stars live there and the executives and managers and agents and people that sort of make the business run. A lot of them tend to live in around the Los Angeles area. So California has had a built-in advantage and a lot of things were just naturally produced there for those factors that I mentioned earlier. But- as other states have created and other countries have created these tax credits, a lot of productions have moved. And so Governor Newsom is trying to compete with right. those other tax credits by luring them back, creating incentives for companies to shoot in California. So the current regime, the, the current credit is set to expire in two years. And when Governor Newsom submitted his proposal, his, his budget, he wants to extend the credit for another five years and make it more attractive to producers right. by making it refundable and by making it transferable. So, I mean, obviously this is now the because of the increased competition. I mean, if everyone's competing with each other now, it really comes down to these small details, right? Yeah, it's coming down to like, so for example, like when you make a tax credit refundable, that is beneficial because a tax credit is a dollar for dollar savings on your tax liability. But if you don't have any profit, and you don't owe any taxes, a tax credit may not be worth it to you if, if you have no income tax liability. A refundable tax credit could actually trigger a refund. So it, let's say you have a $10 million spend and you get $2.5 million in tax credits, but you had no income. The state will give you a $2.5 million check if it's a refundable credit. If it's transferable, similarly, you can sell it to another company that may have a lot of income tax liability in a particular state but may not qualify for a credit. So for example, let's just say you're a business that operates in California and you make a lot of money, but you don't do anything that would generate a tax credit. You may be willing to purchase that credit from an independent film company that made a movie that didn't make any profit. So it's just a way to sort of help the bottom line. And when I was at Marvel Disney, this was a huge part of the decision-making as to, you know, whether we're going to shoot Iron Man 3 in North Carolina and the Avengers yeah. shooting in Atlanta. And it's like, well, what credits are being offered? How large are they? You know, what are the different permutations? Are they refundable? Are they transferable? 
Is it on qualified spend? Is it on everything? Can we use our, like, because some credits don't allow you to take above the line talent fees, which is a big part of the budget and use it against the credit. What does that mean, above the line talent fees? When you're looking at the budget of like a major feature film, there's a couple of different buckets. There's what you pay the actors and the director, the people that are sort of in front of the camera, although the directors behind the camera, they're considered above the line. And they may make a third of the budget. Another third of the budget could be your below the line, your crew, your cast, your equipment, your rentals, the you know explosive materials or whatever, like the things that the people that are sort of making the film from a crew perspective and then all the other nuts and bolts and materials that go into it could be another third. And then typically post-production visual effects would be another third if you're talking about like a high budget Marvel type movie. Yeah. And in certain states, only local spend will qualify or only below the line spend will qualify or only visual effects or post-production spend will qualify. So if you can allow everything, like for example, like your lead actor's fee to count as towards a tax credit, then that's a big savings. And so in California's program, it's 25% tax credit if you relocate a TV series that's shot out of the state. The prior season was shot out of the state and you bring it into the state, that's a 25% credit. Independent films, 25% credit. Feature films or new TV shows will get a 20% credit. And then on other sorts of spends, they'll actually give you an additional sort of credit on what you spend. And they divide it so it's about mostly the lion's share goes to TV and feature film and relocating TV and then independent films get smaller slices of the 330 million. So you have to apply any given year to this to the California Film Commission and say, hey, I'd like to make this film. This is what I think the budget is. This is these are the jobs I'm going to create. This is the economic activity I'm going to bring to the state. Um, this is the this is how I'm going to get the financing. And then they'll select you and say, okay, you qualify for the credit. We'll hold, we'll earmark a certain portion of the 330 million for your project. So you apply, and if you get it, then you you make the film or the TV show. And at the end, when you owe your income tax in the following year, you get a credit for it. Yeah, I mean, it is super fascinating. You know, an interesting show that dives a little bit into this more really around budgets of film and TV and like having to get permits and obviously like tax credits and stuff is the offer on Paramount Plus, which is a story about making The Godfather. It stars Miles Teller. So if people like want like an entertainment version of like looking into how these movies are made and where they film, et cetera, it's a good show to watch. Yeah, for sure. And it's been very impactful. So, you know, California says that over the three years the tax credit's been in effect, it's led to $6.2 billion in productions wow. filming in the state. And the reason you want to propose these things for three, four, five years, you want to have them be somewhat long-term or at least medium-term, is because if it's a year-to-year -year thing or there's a lot of political risk that the credit won't be funded or it will be canceled, like the governor is going to not get reelected and you might have a new new governor who may not be in favor of it, or maybe there could be a legislative change, then the credit is less solid. And you may, when you're making a decision, say, well, state A has a very solid credit and it's refundable, and state B has a shaky credit, and who knows if it's going to be around in two years when we need the money, um, and it's not refundable. So 
you know, we're not going to be able to, you know, we're less likely to shoot there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how other states respond to this. Georgia, New Mexico, obviously California is making adjustments to be more competitive. Everybody wants those dollars. So I wonder how everybody else um, responds in the next like year or so, or however long to really tell that you're losing business potentially to another state. Tax credits are not universally adored, right? Countervailing view is that we shouldn't be giving these Hollywood fat cats a check, right? If if they want to come to the state and do business, fine. But we shouldn't be giving, you know, studios that are making billions of dollars more money. And, you know, when states are competing to lure the business, ultimately you have to be the, the most generous tax credit is the one that's going to attract the most business. And that's kind of the, the rub there is New York has a refundable tax credit and other states do as well. But the political appetite may change over time as to whether you know, to keep subsidizing. Them. For sure. I guess, you know, I'd say that if you're in New York, there's a benefit to being New York City because like there's only so many places that look like New York City if you need to shoot in those types of places. Right. But even then, like you're just doing exterior shots. Like, right. If right. You're not right. using the sound stages right. and doing weeks and weeks of shooting in a particular it's not, location. It, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, cool, man. Well, Paul, as always, thank you for educating us. Folks, have a great week. I'm excited about The Last of Us, which is premiering on, on HBO Max. So I'm going to be checking that out. Have fun at Sundance for those who go. And uh, looking forward to the Oscars. Let's see. Hope rooting for Marcel the Shell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and RRR. Well, that's our show for this week, folks. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you choose to listen. Follow us on Instagram at Better Call Paul the Podcast. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Mesh Lacani. Better Call Paul is produced and edited by Valentino Rivera. Marco Siler Gonzalez and assistant producer Lisa Sanders. Have a great week. Thanks, everyone.